Hello, painters. My name is Brooke. And I'm Tyler. And this is Cosmere Conversations. Welcome back, you artistic painter folk. We are so happy to be continuing the Yumi and the Nightmare Painter book club. We, last time, were talking all about the father machine, the baby machine, the nightmares themselves, and kind of got into some philosophical speculation about the nature of reality, as (laughs) it may be, on Komashi. And this time, we are going to maybe dive deep into the world, dig up some of the spiritual underpinnings of this planet that is quite unique in the Cosmere because of its shardic situation. Yeah, the machine accounts for a lot of weird investiture magic things happening in the environment, but it's all based on some of the more natural things going on with investiture on this planet, we don't know if that is as a result of the shard being killed or if it predates the shard being killed. But here we are. Here's what we've got. We've got some actions that attract investiture and some entities, some splinters, perhaps. Attraction being one of the defining traits of the spirits. And we're going to start there and then we'll just kind of move naturally around and through Kamashi. But let's begin with this concept of the spirits primarily are attracted to rock stacking that we see from Yumi and then obviously Painter as well. Yeah, at least historically, that Mm -hmm. has been sort of the way that it works is that we have these Yokihijo who are becoming masters, becoming virtuosos of rock stacking. And this seems to be kind of a way to forge a connection between the person, the Yokihijo, and the land. And I'm getting this from a quote that comes actually when Painter is the one doing the rock stacking. Quote, and he felt something, didn't he? A connection to the land itself? It felt silly to try to express it, but something pulled on him, tugging directly on his emotions as he worked. He tugged back. Something peeked out of the ground nearby. It vanished as he glanced toward it. End quote. And I think this is the early sign of him attracting a spirit, that thing that was tugging on his emotions and that went away when he glanced at it was the first spirit that he like minorly attracted. And it's based around a connection to the land. Both a connection to the land and it seems to work a little bit like a spren attracted to his emotions in some way. Right. And we also know that the spirits have a a direct connection to the warmth of an area. We hear that from this, quote, spirits gathered in warm places, or rather warmth was a sign they were near, end quote. And this dual connection to the physical warmth as well as the emotional connection 
as well as like being summoned by artistic pursuit using the land because he's mm-hmm. stacking physical rocks. So it's almost as if the movement of land into an artistic representation mm. is what the spirit wants. But the spirit is like part of the land. Interesting. Yeah, it seems like there are a lot of different factors at play here because we also know that the skill or the virtuosity in which one stacks the rocks has a direct impact on that person's ability to draw spirits, how many they can draw, and like the quality of the spirits and how long the subsequently created fabrials last. Yeah, we see that with the Yoki Hijo able to produce stronger spirits and more valuable fabrials even in the time when the baby machines existed. Yeah, and Yumi makes a note when she has her one really great day, day. she attracts a ton of them. She feels really proud about the fact that the fabrials she makes that day are going to last for a really long time, potentially longer than even other Yokihijo's fabrials could last because she has done such a virtuosic job on that day. So we've got your virtuosity, we've got warmth, we've got your sort of creativity and focus, and then we've got something to do with the land as well that are sort of all factoring into this equation. So let's dive more deeply into the spirits themselves and what else we know about them. We have some great quotes. And I think that this one in particular might start to shed some light on all of these different factors coming into play. Quote, something from nothing, creation, beauty from raw materials, art, order from chaos, organization, or in this case, all three at once, end quote. Who else thought of Novani as soon as they read this quote? Absolutely. With the organization (laughs) as the like kind of backwards, you know, figuring something out from the last thing you heard. Uh I'm just like, Navani, Navani, more Navani. (laughs) And she is the mother of machines, perhaps a direct correlation to what we are seeing with the Yoki Hijo. Navani bonded to an aspect of the land, the sibling, Mm. and able to channel investiture through kind of like Stormlight or Lifelight in her situation. But that is also an expression of the world and the land and the ties that investiture has to it. And I think that her organization from chaos, her beauty from raw materials, all of these things are leading to the same type of experience, of course, represented through two different prisms or two different lenses. Yeah, but I think that this connection, this comparison between these two systems is purposeful Mm -hmm. on Brandon's part. We see, of course, in Stormlight, the Nahel bond between a surge binder and a spren. And then we recently saw the Luhel bond on Lumar in Tress. So an Aether operating on a similar principle to create power. And even though we don't get a specific type of bond named in this story, I think that this is fitting into that same paradigm where there is some type of 
exchange happening Mm -hmm. between the person and the spirit that is then creating power. And remember that Yumi herself is something akin to a sprint. I mean, or she is most like an Elantrian, I guess we would say. Yeah, but she is beyond a physical body. She is different from Painter and the friends in his city. I think that she is not quite the perfect representation, but the bond between Painter and Yumi, I do think is similar in that regard. I think that there is something unique about that bond. You think the bond is happening between Painter and Yumi, not necessarily like Yumi and the spirits. I think that Yumi and the spirits is an example of the bond on this planet, but like the highest end version that we see because is between Painter and Yumi. Yumi's version, the like quote unquote normal version is between a person and a spirit or a Yokihijo and mm-hmm. a spirit. As- we are assuming that the Yokihijo were operating like this before the yeah. shadow curse for those playing Baldur's Gate, before the shroud kind of took over and the instance of the father machine. But I think that because Yumi is also kind of a spirit and Painter brings her into existence, brings her into the physical world, and because Hoyd talks about their capital C connection, there could be a bond there that is not dissimilar from the Nahel bond. I don't know. I didn't see it that way because I don't think that Yumi is like a spirit in the same way that an Elantrian is not a Sion. Like those are two completely different things. My thought is that maybe because of his connection to Yumi, Painter is able to draw spirits sort of because he is drawing on that bond. Interesting. Maybe usually, as you said, the Yokihijo is the one that has the bond with the spirits that allows them to make some kind of exchange and pull the spirits into the physical realm. Typically, Painter wouldn't be able to do that, but because he's bonded to Yumi or he has a connection, capital C connection to Yumi, I think is a more accurate way to say it versus bonded because he has a connection he's able to sort of go through that connection like reroute (laughs) sort of uh in order to do the same thing that yumi is able to do okay that's interesting i'm gonna present a little bit of pushback because painter is able to connect to the spirits in the form of the nightmares and through his painting well the nightmares are different than the spirits that's true They are not the same thing as the spirits. Yeah. And we're going to talk about painting a little bit later and like why it's different, what it's doing, how it's different. Okay. It does because painting does seem to be doing something different than rock stacking is. Interesting. Okay. So that's my question is like, is painting and rock stacking the same? Because I do think that there is some type of quote unquote bond that painter has with the nightmares and that all painters have with the nightmares. It is different, though, in a major way Yeah. with what you are discussing with the spirits because of the kind of like give and take and the functionality of that relationship. And it might be, as we've established, spirits are sort of drawn by creativity. So it may be that if there was a really virtuosic bout of painting done, 
that painter would also be able to draw spirits. We hear, quote, the spirits love to see order made from chaos. There are other ways, but stacks of stones have proven among the most attractive to the spirits, end quote. And then design adds, quote, it's the mixing of math and art, design said, plus the human aspect, the concentration, the satisfaction, the emotion. This entire region is littered with splinters that virtuosity left behind, end quote. So there's our answer. These spirits are, in fact, splinters of virtuosity. So this type of investiture, bond, exchange did not exist prior to the shattering of virtuosity. Exactly. And now that we understand the spirits as splinters, the relationship to Spren and therefore to the Nahel bond, I think is strengthened because we do understand the Spren as kind of remnants of the power of Adonalsium and the power of later honor and cultivation. Yeah. So I think that when we're talking about the Nahelbon, the Lu Helbon, and whatever is happening between the Yoki Hijo and these spirits, we need another name for this bond. This is the, the spirit bond. The Su Hell bond. <laughs> yeah. We just keep the motif going. But we I think that they're close enough that they're we should think of them as connected bonds. Yeah. And we even hear something to this effect, quote, most self-aware invested beings, be they called fey, sion, or spirit, respond to this fundamental aspect of human nature in one way or another, end quote. And by the fundamental aspect of human nature, it's talking about creativity. So all of those things that design sort of laid out there, a mixing of math and art, plus concentration, satisfaction, emotion. Those are sort of all thrown into your witch's brew (laughs) that attracts splinters. No matter what planet you're on, no matter what form they take, seemingly. As long as they are invested, self-aware entities, they should follow that basic kind of principle all throughout the cosmos. Yes. It also puts into new light the actions and the weightlifting of actions of Tojin, who is meeting all of these qualifications. The weightlifting requires concentration and emotion. And from that effort, he is gaining satisfaction. We see that when he's so excited to meet his other weightlifting buddies. Mm -hmm. And without even knowing it, He is doing the things that would attract spirits, that spirits are attracted to. Right. And we don't actually see that happen for him. Maybe he's not virtuosic enough. Maybe that is just not the kind of thing that the spirits are most attracted to. We don't really know why, in particular, stone stacks are especially attractive to them. I am curious if it is merely circumstantial that Stacking rocks was simply a really easy way to do it in the olden days, you know, before any type of technology, even Mm -hmm. pen and paper to be able to draw or something like that. And simply by time compounding, right, right, of many, many years of Yoki Hijo learning to stack, learning to stack, learning to stack, becoming more and more virtuosic, passing down their knowledge, et cetera, et cetera. This became the best way, literally just by time 
and practice. Obviously, anything we do over time for a long time, we will become better at. There are two points that I want to bring up off of what you just said. One is the connection back to the land. If we understand virtuosity's shattering as creating all of these splinters that seemingly are residing within the land, like they are part of the earth itself. Yeah. So I have so many questions about this. There certainly does seem to be a connection here. Plus the warmth We know that Kamashi Mm -hmm. is really hot. So is there some power coming from the sun investing into the land? Or is the land already warm from spirits and then also there is sun? Like, I I have questions about how all of these factors are interacting and, like, which one came first sort of thing. Well, you also could have a planet that is warming from the inside, right? You get two ways of heating up a planet, Mm -hmm. external sun, but also the internal, you know, molten magma of the core and different planets with cores made out of different materials or crusts of different size all of that stuff is going to lead to hotter planets from within and so there might be you know a deep like for example remnant of virtuosity's power that is within the planet and as you bring forth her spirits it's like bringing the the spirits are kind of like bubbling up like magma from the underground well of power I like that. Yeah, absolutely. And these spirits are so intertwined with the land that the act of stacking rocks, literally like stacking bits of land, is the form that they find easiest to recognize as Mm. artistic. Sure. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. And then what you mentioned about time and kind of how that compounds. So an early Yokihijo realized that stacking rocks attracted spirits and so they did it more and they taught other yokihijo or somehow you know that spread to the tradition of the yokihijo and then so everyone else is like how does one attract spirits stack rocks by stacking rocks and so they just like continue to do the thing over and over and you get that compounding factor not dissimilar from the dream watch that like elite squad that was supposed to be you know a meritocracy the best of the best painters in their society but we were witnessing how that can like go askew and you can get corruption and the elements of like power concentrating was families and who had the best political connections and that's how you got to be a part of this elite task force not being the best painter so are you saying like the yoki hijo are an actual meritocracy and the Dreamwatch isn't or i don't necessarily know if the Yoki Hijo are any more a meritocracy than the Dreamwatch. Just one is like political power concentrated and mm. one is investiture, magical power concentrated. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess there are completely different things because not only do the Yoki Hijo have the benefit of hundreds of years of practice and knowledge, but they are also heavily invested and therefore may... You know, they're they're starting on second base, perhaps, in terms of rock stacking. As I said earlier, I think that if just an average person were, if Tojin, 
mm-hmm. were to start stacking rocks, even if he practiced just as much as Painter does in the book, even if he achieves like the same objective stacks of rocks that Painter does in the book, I don't know if Tojin would even begin to attract spirits as Painter does because Painter is drawing on the investiture provided by his connection to Yumi and Yumi herself. That's interesting. Yeah, I would love to get more input and opinions on that question. Can someone else who's not either a Yokihijo or connected to a Yokihijo have success with rock stacking? I kind of like the idea of a equal playing field and less the, you know, superhero by birth type of experience. So I think I think this is where we get into a similar story tra- trajectory that we have talked about quite a bit in previous episodes on this podcast where for example on Skadriel you start with born mm-hmm. superheroes you know it's it's selected not everybody gets it you have these special people who are just maybe she's born with it maybe it's metallurgy <laughs> and here we start with the yoki hijo who are born with it they are the powerful ones they are the superheroes and we see an attempt and question mark possibly success at democratizing the spirits, democratizing investiture, democratizing Fabrials through the high on lines. Ew, interesting. Like, yes, this machine is a little bit of that. It starts to make the calling of spirits not contingent upon the specific person, the Yokihijo. Mm-hmm. But what it actually does in producing the high on lines is like the ultimate democratization of the spirit power. That's an excellent point because the high onlines are the big technological important element of Painter's City. Yeah, they're like kind of the one good thing that happened out of this whole father machine debacle. (laughs) Right. Even though it was very much a failure, it did succeed at the one thing that it was trying to do, which was creating these two high onlines. And fortunately, the remaining humans were able to find them and manipulate them and recreate a new society. And though it took you know, 17 centuries, it also looks like the future is potentially bright because even with the Shroud, the people of Kamashi were able to invent space travel and are traveling outside of their own planetary body. They should, now that the Shroud seemingly is going to, you know, be evaporated for good, they should be able to quickly conquer it's not really conquer if there's nobody there to conquer but they should very quickly be able to expand as much as they want across their relatively small planet and you would think that it's all on the back of these high lines. the fact that they didn't exist prior to the father machine is as you said probably the the best part of this father machine debacle to get these high lines because they're like concentrated aspects of investors that you directly tap into, directly manipulate and use. Well, I want to back up and talk a little bit more about the spirits first, because then we're going to sort of build on top of that to talk about what Hyon is. Right, because we go with the spirit technology of these Fabrials prior to getting the Hyon lines. So let's start there. Let's go to the technology or the fabrics. The spirits themselves sound very cute. They appear as these sort of little globs of 
like a liquid metal sort of and they are shimmering with the same color that Hyon is, BT dubs, so magenta and turquoise. These cute little blobs pop up out of the ground. And then when the Yokihijo ask them to create different fabrials, they all seem to be some type of what we would call, I believe, a conjoined fabrial that we see in Stormlight Archive. So they might be a repelling pair or uh, an attracting pair. They, for like creation of lights, there's a dark light and then a light light, a bright light light. orb. Yeah. (laughs) And you like tap the dark one to turn the light off and then tap it again and the light one turns on. There are also hovercrafts. So these two spirit things that are enabling them to repel gravity or sometimes they repel each other to make buildings hover. Yeah, similar though technically different than the lifting mechanisms that we see on Rashar. And the fact that this was done, this relationship was done, and that led to a catastrophe is maybe the only thing that prevented Kamashi from becoming a really advanced member of the Cosmere faster. It basically like could have slowed down their progression. I don't know. This is early tech. Fabrial tech. Yeah, but it's also so difficult for them to access. There are only 14 Yokihijo. The Yokihijo have to work incredibly hard to attract even a small number of spirits in order to persuade them to make these fabrials that only last for maybe a couple of years. So even like I think that as terrible as this father machine was, it may have actually been the breakthrough for them period and like advancing at all like i don't know where they would have gone if that never happened i don't think you're you're getting very far you can't advance very fast when you have all of those impediments yeah to your advancement it's almost like they were at a societal bottleneck yeah with these, absolutely and That's they just a great like way couldn't to put it. move past it and so they broke open the bottleneck with, you know, this explosive force of investiture and the flood was chaotic and led to the shroud. But the actual fact that they had reached a bottleneck, they needed to do something or, you know, just result into stasis forever. Yes. Which is exactly the situation that Yumi finds herself, a a permanent stasis. Yeah. Yeah. We have this quote, as always, the spirit split into two to make the devices. In this case, a machine with great insectile wings and a handheld device to control it from the ground, end quote. So that sounds really advanced. Absolutely. You got a drone an right there. An entire machine? An insectile drone. Yeah. Functionally with a remote with control. With a little control? Yeah. That's what makes it kind of different than what we were seeing on Rishar and why I have trouble placing pre-Shroud Kamashi within the timeline. Yeah. And it's just difficult for me because on Rishar, the Fabrials are incredibly basic from a functional perspective. They're like, you know, just figuring out the mechanics of like making a a watch. Well, so I'm thinking... Maybe we should make a distinction between the Fabrials that we see Navani creating, especially in the earlier books, Mm -hmm. and the true soul casters that we see very infrequently. They are much less 
ubiquitous, but they are also more powerful in like being able to create entire buildings, being able to create food basically from scratch. Okay, powerful, yes. But technologically advanced, I'd say still no. We're talking about a remote control here that is not made out of the spirit. It's seemingly separate from the spirit. Like there's a controller. No, I think it is the spirit. Oh my gosh, you think the controller... Yeah, the spirit split into two. So one spirit breaks itself into two pieces. One of those pieces creates a machine with the insect wings. The second piece creates a controller. Okay, for some reason I thought it was like inhabiting an existing machine. Like the no, people built a machine so it really and is a controller. Almost exactly like how a spren can manifest as a blade or a fork. It or, takes the form of yes, the thing that the people metal. want and need. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. That actually helps me understand it as a metal because we do understand the shard blades and the honor blades specifically as tanavastium yes. with a little bit of coravellium avastium <laughs> depending on the mixture but it's the actual metal of the shard if virtuosity you know exploded and sent out trillions of little splinters actual physical metal splinters of themselves and they like peppered the planet you know becoming the well, potential for the spirit. I think it wouldn't necessarily have to be splinters of metal. It's just pieces of investiture. And when the investiture manifests physically, it becomes metal. Yes. We also don't know that every single device that the spirits make appears metallic. So this is all speculation. But the spirits themselves have a metallic Sheen. Sheen. They yeah. do, yes. So it's almost, you know, like they're a floating orb of metal. Yeah, they're like liquid metal and then waiting to become, you know, your sword or whatever, your hard, solid metal. Right. I am very intrigued by metal, obviously, obviously. you know, big <laughs> Scadrial fans over here. And when other planets are manifesting metals, it makes me wonder is that more a principle of the Cosmere and less a Scadrial specific? Oh, yeah, I think yes. I think we've seen that on Rashar. So we can say, yes, this shard manifesting into metal is like a common occurrence because we've seen racium. Mm-hmm. We've seen lots of different shard metals at this point. We should also note that the creation of these fabrials on Kamashi is said to take something from Yumi. She feels tired and like there is something that needs to be replenished after she does one of these things and painter says something similar i'm curious what the exchange is for in this case we know on lumar the exchange is for water right uh we know on rushar it is Something like, yeah, sentience or the ability to manifest in the physical world. So much more esoteric. (laughs) And it's not clear what the currency of exchange is on Kamashi. Is it just energy, like the pure energy that Yumi is expending? Is it some of her innate investiture? Although if the spirit is already investiture, I don't know why it would want hers, you know? So that doesn't seem right to me. Let's go to this bit of dialogue. And if you'd help me out, Yumi starts with, quote, the spirits don't actually care. I don't know about that, Painter said. 
He pointed around the trunk towards the tent, hovering a few feet above the ground on its platform. The spirits give you things like that platform, right? No cost? No price? No price, she said. They want to help. Once we summon them, I think they find us intriguing and enjoy watching us. Sounds like they do care, he said. About you, if not about a lot of the things that you all have made up about them, end quote. So the spirits are kind of providing more than you would otherwise think is fair in a trading sure. situation. It's not a one-to-one it's balance. It's positive. Yes, it yeah. is. Well, I don't know if it's well, end positive or yeah. end neutral. Or... Yumi seems to put in a lot of work. <laughs> it's difficult for her. She's like clearly throwing a bunch on her back and like trying to do it all herself. Yeah. I'm curious, though, if there is some vestigial memory of virtuosity with these spirits that they because virtuosity as we understand it is kind of like pushing all of these people to develop themselves and their passions and what they're good at yeah i think that would have been stronger when virtuosity was actually was yeah fully formed but then the spirits seem to kind of like want that to happen so they'll just like help you live for free if they think that it's gonna (laughs) help you get to be a virtuosic person (laughs) i don't know about that i'm wondering if this has more to do with the attraction to emotion aspect that the intriguing thing that they sort of enjoy being around is just the emotions of being a human and i am thinking about this we're going to get to this in just a second but when the high on becomes television we find out at the end that the spirits were like yeah we're gonna stick around and like be your tv because this is very entertaining to us and i mean what are soap operas if not human emotion at its most dramatic and the spirits are drawn to that attracted to that in the way that seemingly they were attracted to rock stacking and so we should assume it's for basically the same reasons yeah so that's my question like is emotion the currency of the exchange are you giving like emotion to the spirits and that is when they manifest you know i don't know that's my guess i would love if our listeners will tell us what you think the currency of exchange on kamashi is Let's talk about the high on lines because these twin bands of energy, famously magenta and turquoise, thick as a person's wrist that are surrounding the city of Kilohito. And infusing it, really, not even just surrounding. Protecting they are it. everywhere. They are signs. They are lights. They are your television. They are your microwave. All electric type things is this high on. They're described sort of like a large version of a light bulb filament. This is basically the modern manifestation of the spirits. They have split into these two sides, magenta and turquoise, that are doing all of these things for the modern city. And we talked about the word of Brandon where he said that on Kamashi, the rule of two or the 
existence of the dichotomy, yeah. the balance between two things is turned up a little bit. It's a little bit more than on other Cosmere planets. This is the clearest manifestation of the, these two lines of power mm-hmm. that are similar to the spirits of the city of Torio and Yumi's time, but like in a purified state. And then when you add that concept of them liking stuff in the same way that the spirits like stuff, they like art, they like creation. To me, it's almost as if the spirits found a better way, a more efficient powerful yeah, and potent like a shape way. that they like to be in yes and a better one for the people which allows them to do more allows them to create more yeah and maybe more sustainable like instead of asking the spirit to become the entire hovercraft mm. right you're just asking the spirit to become the power yes. so that you can create the hovercraft and then you know, power it, basically. So it's more of a collaboration, it seems, between humanity and the spirit, which may be why the high online's don't seem to expire. They seem to be able to perpetually continue shining and even growing. Yeah, because I kept thinking about this. When the father machine turns on, sort of the first thing that is discovered are these what they call stubs of high on, like two just little nubs of high on sticking out of the ground. And somehow the people figured out how to grow it into what we see in Kilohito in the book. Completely unclear how they're doing this. Like, how did they extend the high on lines all the way into their atmosphere, into space, to another planet in order to, like, run their spaceship like a trolley car through space? We have no idea. We have no idea what the method of manipulation for this power is. Obviously, I'm wondering if it if they have tools like truss mm-hmm. and are using steel and aluminum and silver to like guide the lines into the shape that they want them to be in. We don't know if that's the case, but that's my guess. That I think is a good guess for the time of Kilohito, like when they are purposefully directing and guiding the two high on lines around my question that goes back to the very beginning, how do you get from stubs into the shroud? Because remember, the second that the stubs are created, the shroud is also created. Yes. And so seemingly you wouldn't have people who were working with a specialized device on those initial stubs. I think. Oh. Of course, this is more similar to some mushroom behavior. What? Some aether oh my, behavior. How do you make everything about mushrooms? It's not like, my literally, fault. Literally, this doesn't make any sense. Because Brandon loves mushrooms. Oh my God. The high on lines acting like filaments, the mycelium connection reaching. Just on their own? Because they're not an inanimate thing. They are akin to the spirits. They have desires. They want things. They, yeah, they are spirits. Right. So they want things. And so it's, I could imagine. You think those... they just like grew towards the humans and then yes. the humans were like, oh, look at this growing toward us. Exactly. <laughs> they were moving towards the humans because they want 
to be near the humans. And then the humans figured out the way that they could be utilized and the way that they mm. could maybe continue to draw out that original high lines. But originally, yeah, I think the high lines were I mean, growing I'm out sure of the land. Says, yeah, it says in the book that they discovered high stubs. It doesn't say they discovered like a jungle tangle of high on lines just like growing wild. No, I mean, it's not, it's I'm not talking about just that. little stubs. I'm not talking about a jungle <laughs> of stuff. I'm talking about literally about two lines existing. <laughs> and if they just find those stubs, they may or may not trace back to this original source and this original position in the land, I would imagine around the father machine, right? Because that's where they were turned on. Yeah, I can't I can't remember. I would have to go back to the book to see exactly what it says about like the first time they are discovered. Cuz we would have to say the humans have never got to the father machine. Like there's no humans walking around casually the father machine cuz that's like protected space. They yeah. people of Kilohito did not stumble upon the father machine's location to find the stubs and grow them from there. Right. So it seems like the stubs appeared some distance away so that the nomads who were not close enough to the father machine would stumble upon them, obviously, without getting close enough to have their own souls sucked into the shroud. Exactly. So those stubs, those high on lines, originally moved towards, I think, the humans because they wanted to get a connection to the humans because they like art and they like creation and so move towards where those nomads happen to be because they weren't getting it with the father machine. Maybe. Maybe. All I'm saying is we don't really know. We definitely do not <laughs> and know. And it's a big open mystery. Are the high on lines mushrooms? That's the question, oh folks. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Some other quick facts about the high on uh, heat is produced when the two types, the magenta and turquoise, are touched to metal. So again, very similar to electricity. Plant life on Kamashi, at least in the city of Kilohito, has evolved to grow with high on light. I don't know what that says about the specific quality of light that is produced by the high on, but there is a difference between the high on light and sunlight that they then have to adjust back to when the shroud goes away. What I think is interesting is that we have seen on Rashar plants growing better in relation to sound. Mm, uh huh. And that sound on Rashar is deeply connected to investiture. The high on lights deeply connected to the investiture on this planet. Mm -hmm. And so perhaps that's the connection. Emitting a frequency. A growth frequency from (laughs) investiture. Yeah. Maybe. That's interesting. Or maybe because their virtuosity is power, they're just encouraging the plant to be virtuosic at being a plant. The, they're giving the high on lines are just like, you can do it. Positive just, You know how they say, yeah, yeah, talking to plants nicely makes them grow better. That's what the high on lines are doing. <laughs> they're just like, we love you, little plant. You can do it. Grow more leaves. Get those roots deeper. <laughs> Constant enthusiasm from yeah. the high on lines. <laughs> I mean, that's not bad. If you are doing something creative, you know, you're having an artistic pursuit. What do you need more than anything else? Just encouragement. En- encouragement yeah. from the high on lines. 
And then interestingly, while he is a ghost, Painter discovers the ability to affect different electronic things that are running on the high on lines. So he's able to change the channel on TV by like sticking his ghost finger into the TV, basically. Or he figures out how to turn up the thermostat for Yumi again by sticking his little ghost finger into the little electric high on device. He says, quote, I can feel the high on lines. I couldn't move the dial, but I can tweak them somehow, make them activate, end quote. So there's some connection here of Painter being more spirit-like in this moment and then able to interact with the spirit of the high on. Because in his ghost form, he is seemingly able to move to Torio and occupy Yumi's body. Yes. That transition, that movement of his spirit happens along the high on lines, we would have to assume, right? That's what you think? How else is he moving around? Magic. What is magic on this planet but the high on lines? (laughs) You know, like that is the representation of magic on this planet. You think that there's just like a spirit sliding along like a zip line of high on like no one is gonna notice no i imagine it more akin to a being that could travel along electrical wires and so you could be in one form mm. and then like move through the lines and then come out the other side and like you're reform. thinking this is like a crawly in the telephone line situation yes or for an older animated example static shock but i think that yeah there is probably he's doing something right he's manipulating the high on lines that's either because he is high on lines he is somehow interacting from himself to the lines or he's able to transition into that form and like feel the high on lines which he's not able to do when he's a regular painter. I think this is an aspect of just soft magic in the world that doesn't really have a hard explanation of like how he is in Yumi's body but sees himself as himself but appears as Yumi to everyone else and is this sort of cognitive shadow while in Kilohito when Yumi is in his house but looking like Yumi. Right, because Yumi is, Yumi's world is not real. Well, yes, correct. And Painter travels to that not real world. Well, no, he's in the real world. It just doesn't actually look like what he thinks it looks like. It looks like a barren circle in the middle of a shroud. That's what it actually is. It looks like a bustling town full of people who are actually nightmares in the barren wasteland. Right, because he's experiencing things through Yumi's eyes, or basically, like, by the gift of Yumi, he has cognizance in this space. Yeah, he does not... He hasn't developed an ability to see through a light weaving. No, of course not. Yeah. his body is sitting in his apartment, right? No. His body is vaporized. See, this is what I'm saying. I think it's unclear. This is a very soft squishy thing that doesn't have an actual explanation interesting okay my my interpretation was this was like a he's projecting his cognitive shadow away from his body what would normally result in death or you know some type of horrific Mm -hmm. shade like thing he's doing with purpose guided by the yoki hijo but his body i assumed was just chilling in his apartment 
every looking night. Looking like Yumi? No, no, no. His body is just chilling there being his body. You think there's just a dead body in the apartment that they yes. never mention? Functionally, that it's just like chilling body. <laughs> what? <laughs> this might be your worst and then, take. No, no, no. And then when That's Yumi- not possible. When Yumi arrives, <laughs> she's walking around in his body with a light weaving of Yumi on top of it, is oh. my understanding. Okay. So Yumi occupies yeah, his sure. body, moves that around the physical world, but uh-huh. it has a light weaving of Yumi. Yeah. He's walking by her as a cognitive shadow because yeah. his cognitive shadow has been split from his body and it never goes back in. It's just like jumping before between right. cognitive shadow and going over to and Yumi's, Yumi's world. body. And so I think that the cognitive shadow has the ability to move along the high on lines. It would be like if in Mistborn Secret History, there was a express path just for Kelsier, who could just like move along the high on lines from place right. to place. Okay. Yes. I agree with you in terms of my understanding of what is happening with like the cognitive shadows. I'm glad that you continued explaining that there's not just a dead body sitting there while they're like walking around. I mean, he is sleeping for like 14 hours a day. So. Yeah, well, being capital C connected really takes it out of you. Maybe that's what the spirits are interested in. They just want the exhaustion. That's what I'm saying. Like, is the is the currency just energy? Mm-hmm. And so you're expending so much energy on your connection, either to each other or to the spirits, that you're then exhausted. I don't know. Questions, questions. We also have at the end of the story, after the resolution, the spirits being persuaded to continue being high on lines as long as they receive, in quote, proper payment right yes so not treated as slaves yeah because hyon is also described at one point as quote the blood of enslaved spirits end quote gruesome and therefore we go from a nice happy version of what i was talking about (laughs) and now that highway through the cognitive realm is paved with the blood of spirits yeah so the high onlines are able to continue existing in that perpetual way that i was talking about earlier because the father machine is continually stacking rocks has been stacking rocks for Mm -hmm. these last 1700 years keeping the spirits enslaved keeping the high on lines going basically like keeping the blood flowing (laughs) through those lines is that the excess that we talked about last episode we said that the father machine was taking more than they needed just to preserve the father machine Mm. maybe the excess is what they were dumping into the high on lines to keep that going maybe Because again, the father machine, as far as I know, is not an AI with new programming. It's still trying to do the same thing that it was programmed to do. Yeah. I mean, that is all it's doing. It's stacking rocks, attracting spirits, creating power. Exactly. Stacking rocks, attracting spirits, creating power over and over. And the power in this instance is high on. on. Yeah. And so the spirits were captured by the father machine, Mm -hmm. generated into high on lines, and they will continue to do that as long as they have proper payment. And in part, they will continue to do that because they like the uses, the creativity of Hyon. Well, that's what we discover once Yumi destroys the father machine. Like really what should have happened is father machine is destroyed. All of the Hyon lines immediately disappear and evaporate back into your little blob spirits under the earth. Yes. However, 
as you said, the people were able to persuade the spirits to continue manifesting as Hion, they actually found out that the Hion lines are working out for the spirits, that they're kind of like, no, we're good. Like, we like this as long as we're not being enslaved. Like, we're cool. We'll sit around and watch your soap operas. This is like (laughs) when the monsters realized that they didn't have to be scary. (laughs) They could instead tell jokes and get laughter to power their cities. Absolutely. Yeah. Everyone just works out happy. Which, again, is why I think there's a potential for Kamashi to be a major player in the Cosmere. They seemingly have kind of like the unbridled power potential Mm. of a cell Mm -hmm. but without the chaos of the war-led destruction of their shards and like the controlled way that virtuosity seemed to go out wasn't all that bad well we also again don't know what is exactly involved in the manipulation of these high lines, or Mm -hmm. like how these things are being created on cell it seems like most of the ways to manipulate the door involve a lot of training and knowledge. You know, you have to study up and learn your aeons and practice and whatnot. Of course. So maybe it's more difficult on cell in that respect and easier in Kamashi. If it really is that anyone could like pick up some silver and aluminum tools or whatever and like guide the lines into what they want. Yeah. If they have that kind of flexibility with this type of raw power, they have a lot of potential to do a lot of cool things. And I wonder if there is greater potential for creativity with the cooperation of the high on lines. Yeah. That these, like, like these spirits seem great. They yeah. seem very cooperative. They're exactly. just like, yeah, man, what do you want to do? Let's collaborate. They are the ultimate collaborators. And if so, you go from creating, let's say, like the 1950s, maybe like I Love Lucy type of sitcom experience, and you develop that into your Game of Thrones or your Wheel (laughs) of Time, you know, your big epics that could theoretically happen. Are the spirits going to be happier with that arrangement because it's more creative, it's more innovative, and it's a better example of art? Yeah, I mean, I would think yes. And so then you have sort of an exponentially increasing amount of power. Yes. If you are becoming more creative and then your power gets more and you have more creative ability and then you have more power, so you have more creative ability. It's like if electricity enjoyed being utilized in <laughs> yes. phones or our technology. It was just like, every time you use me in your cell phone- I will I, get better. Exactly. I actually improve. It's like Janet- This is the AI. Maybe the the full form is actually the high on lines. Yeah. But no, like little Janet from The Good Place gaining sentience, gaining strength, gaining abilities every time they're rebooted. The high on lines, you know, seemingly could be rebooted quite often in their rebooting process is creativity. Every time you create something new, which is far easier than killing something, uh, <laughs> is going to propel it forward. Amazing. So my question then is why do we not see spirits attracted to painting in the same way or why not Tojin's working out attracting spirits in the same way i mean unclear there is obviously either an element missing from those things or these people are not virtuosic enough bummer i mean yeah it seems like painter is really good but he might just not be good enough yet yet he also hasn't really been practicing very much. So, you know. <laughs> but he is good enough, I think, at the end when he brings Yumi into the physical realm. So we do have some really fascinating mentions within 
painter's sort of part of all of this equation. My thought is that painting seems to use something like a transformation surge to use the cognitive realm and like change the shape of the nightmare or, you know, this this cognitive thought thing. I am a stick. Yes, exactly. Painter is able to say, but you could be fire. Draw the fire. And then the stick is like, I could be fire. Yes, I could. Yes, I could. (laughs) Quote, when you paint, you're not just creating something from your mind. You're seeing what the ink wants to become, end quote. So we come back to this idea that is best presented in The Emperor's Soul about objects wanting to be certain things, wanting to be a certain way, wanting to be a certain shape. And Painter... I'm curious about this quote. It says you're seeing what the ink wants to become, but it seems more like Painter is using the ink as a medium to find out what the nightmare wants to become. Okay, maybe, but let me push back because when it's displayed as stacking the rocks, remember, you have to see how the rocks want to fit together and fit together mm-hmm. and balance off each other and the way that it's weighted is going to affect how stones mm. above want to be stacked and yeah. so to feel or to understand what the ink wants to become is to in my view attract the spirit part of the nightmare and it kind of agrees with your creation Well, I don't know if there is a spirit part of the nightmare. I think that's wrong, but I, you made me think of the way that painter is specifically described to use his ink when creating the bamboo stalks Mm -hmm. and the way that he sort of leans into the natural physics of the way that the ink goes down on the paper in order to create that image. So he is not fully exerting, you know, human control into, I will make this ink look the way I want it to look. He's following the natural trajectory. Exactly. The natural properties of the ink and kind of going where the ink leads in his creation so that it's a collaboration between him and the ink versus him controlling. In the the same way. In the same way. Stacking rocks, you follow the way that the rocks want to be. Yeah. And that attracts a spirit. Therefore, Mm. why the nightmare would not be attracted to that artistic creation in the similar respect like i don't i think that what we're getting at here is he's not controlling the nightmare he's not gripping the nightmare and saying you will be this thing he's in a collaboration with the nightmare in the same way that yumi is in collaboration with the spirits he's saying like you are a nightmare but you could be bamboo bamboo. and the nightmare is like i I could be bamboo and you know what but that's That's not really what yumi is doing yumi is saying i have insert currency of exchange here we don't know what it is i have energy you can have it if Mm -hmm. you will appear if you will appear after i stack these stones and then i will tell you exactly what i would like you to become so it's a little bit more complicated here's what design has to say quote raw investiture design said responds to thoughts emotions, especially the thoughts and emotions of heavily invested beings. Painter, when you paint nightmares, it's your thought, your perception of them that causes them to transform. It's not the actual painting. They can literally become anything. And because of that, they have a weakness. 
through concentration, you can force them to become what you envision, end quote. So there are similarities and differences between what Painter is doing in painting nightmares and what Yumi is doing in stacking rocks. Contrary to what we just said, it's not actually about the paint at all. The paint is sort of acting as a focus for Painter's mind to fix the image in his mind in order to transform the nightmare, which is sort of predisposed to transform because of its nature as raw investiture. I agree. And I think that the only pushback that I'm going to give is that focusing in his mind, that thought through the painting and like following the way that the ink wants to become bamboo is a method of connection via painter into the physical world that the nightmare recognizes as a similar thing that can happen with them, the nightmare. Like the nightmare can Mm. be anything as so too the paint, the ink can be anything. And painters in the same way that a soul caster would be like, you are this thing, but you could be this thing over here. Painter is like having that conversation in his own mind. He's having it with the Mm -hmm. ink becoming bamboo. And then because he does that, it like solidifies the ability to say the same thing to the nightmare. But the nightmare is not being pulled into the physical realm in the same way until Yumi. Until Yumi. Yumi is the one example of his masterwork. All the way. Right. Yeah. We have a word of Brandon about this that is paraphrased. Basically, someone asked why painting does not draw the spirits. And he essentially said that it does, but most painters are also commodifying their art. And so there is a bit of a loop where painters are painting to keep back the nightmares, but that is also attracting them (laughs) because they're painting. And it's a self-perpetuating cycle. Yeah, he compares it to American football, which gives its players more and more protective gear and helmets, but the more protective gear just makes the players yes. to hit harder. Right. And so they get more concussions than other sports, even other violent sports like rugby, because they have the ability to hit harder. Therefore, they do. And if you just remove that ability, they wouldn't actually get the damage that you're trying to protect them from. <laughs> so but there is an attraction from yeah. painting. Painting is attracting spirits. We know that uh, spirits are not spirits. Nightmares are attracted by the same type of like brainwaves, sort of, not necessarily specifically creative brainwaves, but they come at night, right? When you're dreaming, when your mm-hmm. brainwaves are a little bit more flexible and dynamic than while you're awake or sort of in your day-to-day life. Yeah. What is that? The uh, the Delta brainwaves going on in deep, deep sure. sleep? Yeah. yeah. Delta, theta. Yeah. Or... Maybe like similar to flow state, you know, when your brain goes into flow state, that is attractive to something like a nightmare or a spirit, I would guess. I'm interested in how these things are similar and yet also seem to be different. Yeah, they're not the same. And I think that's important. Mm -hmm. But But they do have some similar characteristics. Notably, Painter is able to manifest a paintbrush even while he is a spirit or ghost, as we've called them before. And his painting actions still transform a nightmare. Yes. 
Very interesting. Even as a ghost with his like ghost paintbrush. First, he's able to manifest that paintbrush like kind of from his own essence he's just like wills it to be there and it right. appears it kind of reminds me of kingdom hearts just like summon your paintbrush <laughs> yeah and then his ghost painting does its job quote a large paintbrush burst from his essence and formed as if out of silver light very similar to a shard blade in some respects he wouldn't remember creating it and after the fact wouldn't have been able to tell you how he'd done it End quote. I would like to note here the exact wording of silver light. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying I'm just putting it out there. It is in the text. <laughs> well, we were talking in our very early episode about silver light coming from the other planet, Utol. Coming from, yeah, somewhere near Komashi. I'm just I'm just saying it's out there. I'm just saying it's out there. It's in the book. I'm not just making this up. Well, let's go to that very final creation, that act of artwork that Painter achieves when he paints Yumi into a physical form. Quote, Then he turned to find smoke behind him, spinning like a vortex, white on the inside, an infinite hole, the eye of a nightmare, within it a dark shape reaching toward him. End quote. Now, this description is probably the first time that we have seen Yumi described as similar to a nightmare, dark form reaching out of this infinite hole, I imagine, is the birth of all of these nightmares, that they clawed themselves out of whatever vortex the father machine kind of like created and sucked them up into. Yeah, and they all have the white sort of piercing hole like eyes Mm -hmm. which i think of as sort of uh holes into the bottomless investiture of like the spirit realm that makes sense to me where they're drawing power from and so my question is is yumi a nightmare the title of the book Uh. yumi and the nightmare painter he paints nightmares and the last painting that he does Mm. is of yumi yeah I mean, I guess this comes back to our question, did Yumi go through the machine? Yes. We did, you know, talk about this as like a wood chipper that was processing everyone. Did Yumi, was she a big rock that got into the wood chipper and just was spat out? Or was she a big boulder that never got into the wood chipper at all? Yeah, I need to go back to the text and see exactly what it says. Because that would tell us if Yumi is a nightmare that was just too strong to be sucked into the shroud and then she is painted into a physical form or is this sort of always her natural manifestation as a highly highly invested entity seemingly selected by virtuosity yeah is she always a quasi cognitive shadow yeah i feel a little bit like that is my interpretation, she's something akin to a returned plus an Elantrian, like the cognitive shadow of Yumi was selected by virtuosity, originally thrown into a physical body, mm-hmm. or maybe never thrown into a physical body. I don't know if she ever had a physical body, but basically <laughs> like the cognitive shadow was selected by virtuosity to be a Yokihijo, receive yeah. that tremendous investiture and lived a life until 17 or whatnot. Yeah. And then the question becomes, what is she after that moment? This last bit of 
text that we have makes me reconsider the concept that she did go through the machine. Yeah. That she was processed. I think that makes the most sense because I do think she had a physical body. Like she was born. She talks about being a baby and taken mm-hmm. as a baby to become a Yokihijo. Like she has a mother, you know, she's not a, a Jesus type figure. Like I think she is actually a human with a human body and just happens to have a super invested soul. When she goes through the machine, that soul is strong enough that it does not get sucked into the shroud she is just a cognitive shadow of herself who maintains her identity Mm -hmm. and then painter is able to do something maybe like the light weaving that is on design in this book a more permanent structure yes where it has physical form and all of the things that make a body a body he's kind of able to do that with his painting for yumi that certainly seems incredible But then it also answers the question of can painting attract spirits? Because the answer would be yes, it attracts Yumi. But Yumi is not a spirit. Yumi is a cognitive shadow. She's not a splinter of virtuosity. Or is she? Or is she? Having been so heavily invested. Right. That's my question. Mm. She's a different type (laughs) of splinter. Is she a splinter or is she a sliver? Ooh. She has never taken up the shard of virtuosity but does she have a big enough piece of virtuosity to be considered a splinter what if there were 14 major pieces of virtuosity as there are 16 pieces of adenalsium in shards and so the 14 pieces of virtuosity become the the okihijo okihijo Uh their physical form is that piece like they you know cognitive shadow physical form of virtuosity, boom, combo, that is Yumi in her first life. You think the body is the investiture? No, I think investiture is investiture. Uh And I think that Yumi's body, her real physical form, maybe all the Yokihijo's physical form, is tied up in the physical form of virtuosity. Oh, I don't think so. I know. (laughs) Okay. I have to keep throwing out these ideas. (laughs) Yeah, you do. You got to shoot your shot. (laughs) (laughs) Some of them will eventually be correct. And then I will look back and say, I got everything correct. So much fun in this book club. Give us all your thoughts on my crazy theories and Brooke's detailed researched work. Yes. In our last episode, planned last episode, we are going to look at capital C connection on Kamashi and throughout the rest of the Cosmere, making those connections We want your feedback as well, and we will kind of summarize, put a nice little bow on Yumi and the Nightmare Painters Book Club before preparing ourselves for secret project number four. Oh my gosh, we're already at the end. Dragonsteel Con coming this November. Woohoo! Brooke, can you take us away? Until next time, life before death. Strength before weakness. Journey before destination. 